In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Well, congratulations again to all of our compromands and those who became part of this parish today. Uh, so it's really a great day, and it's so good to be with you. And I bring you greetings from our Cathedral Church of the Holy Communion in Dallas, Texas, and our entire uh, diocese. I'd like to turn our attention to the gospel reading for today, which is called Good Shepherd Sunday. St. Louis, uh, C.S. Lewis once observed, it cost God nothing as far as we know to create nice things, but to convert our rebellious wills, it cost him crucifixion. Our gospel for today on Good Shepherd Sunday speaks of the cost to God for our salvation. Jesus says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Sacrifice is the nature of being a good shepherd. Shepherds have to place themselves in jeopardy to save sheep. This is actually symbolized by the staff that they carry, like the one uh, which I carried today into this service. The reason for the little crook at the end of the staff is to rescue sheep out of harm's way. Yet we also need to remember that there would often be times of considerable risk to the life of a shepherd to save a sheep. The staff would not always be long enough. He himself, in using his pastoral staff, would have to crawl out onto and into very dangerous places. Sometimes he might even lose his own life trying to save a sheep. Such was the case with our Lord Jesus Christ. He sacrificed his life for us, the ultimate good shepherd. Our text says, the good shepherd gives his life to save his sheep. Yet importantly, have you noticed that Holy Mother Church calls for us to read the good shepherd passage on the second Sunday in Easter? You might wonder why. What does the Good Shepherd passage have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The answer is in the way our passage in intersects sacrifice with resurrection. Listen to how Jesus parallels sacrifice with resurrection in our passage. He says... No one has taken it, my life, from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. Then we hear the words, and I have authority to take it up again. John 10, verse 18. Take it up again is resurrection language. Sacrifice and resurrection are woven together in our passage. There cannot be one without the other. If you think about it, even regarding the sacrifice of the shepherd's life to save sheep, the rescued animal is in a sense resurrected. 
Resurrection is bound up in the biblical nature of sacrifice. The two are so closely tied. Christus Vicar and Christus Victor. This is my focus today. Any compromise of the meaning of sacrifice actually foils the meaning of the resurrection. So close are the two teachings in the Holy Scriptures. First, it is important to establish that the biblical nature of sacrifice involves substitution. Our passage says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The phrase for the sheep is actually one word in the Greek New Testament. It is the word probaton. Perhaps you hear in that the English derivative from it, probation. The Greek word literally means of or for the sheep. It's called in the the Greek language a genitive of purpose. It matches other ways in the New Testament for expressing this important aspect of sacrifice called substitution. They normally involve two little Greek prepositions, ante and huper, which mean on behalf of or in place of. As an aside, my Old Testament professor in seminary was a man who has become a legendary and probably the most famous and best old biblical Orthodox Old Testament scholar in the world. He's still alive. His name is Bruce Walkie. He's recently become an Anglican priest. He has two doctorates. His Old Testament doctorate is from Harvard. His other doctorate is from his evangelical seminary in New Testament. So he has two doctorates, one in New Testament, one in Old Testament. That doesn't happen very often. Importantly, he wrote his first doctorate on the New Testament, two little Greek prepositions. These two little Greek prepositions that mean substitution. His dissertation was 500 pages long. His massive work proves that these prepositions are indeed used in the New Testament on behalf of, in place of, to mean substitution. This substitutionary meaning appears in our Good Shepherd passage with the one word meaning of or on behalf of sheep, the sheep. Our text says he gave, meaning he, he gave his life for the sheep. And so we find this powerful concept elsewhere in the New Testament. And perhaps the one that is often overlooked is in the very language of the consecration of Holy Communion where sacrificial substitutionary language is used in what are called the words of institution by Jesus Christ. Perhaps you remember these words. Taking the cup at the Last Supper, Jesus said, This is the new covenant in my blood that is shed or poured out for the remission of sins. This sacrament of Holy Communion conveys the sacrifice of Christ 
that was indeed a sacrifice. This language poured out for comes from Exodus chapter 24 when Israel renewed its covenant at the base of Mount Sinai and Moses threw sacrificial blood all over the people covering them. That blood substituting for them a sacrifice. Returning to our good shepherd passage, we should not overlook the obvious reality that sheep in Israel were the preeminent sacrificial animal. Also, the passage mentions that the sheep referred to were kept in sheepfolds. These sheepfolds in Israel were used for one purpose. The sacrifices required by the law to be offered in the temple, kept in the sheepfolds. The other sheep were out in the pastures all the time, not kept in sheepfolds. The massive twist, though, to our passage in our Lord's statement is that the creature who would have normally been the sacrifice becomes the one for whom the Creator, Shepherd, gives His life. Instead of sheep for human life, it's the shepherd's life being sacrificed for the sheep. Second, not only is the language of sacrifice tied to substitution, but in the language of the theology of the church, this has been emphasized, this substitutionary nature of sacrifice. It's called the language of coherence. Found in the what who are called the Cappadocian Fathers, who use this language to refer how to how the persons of the Godhead are one. They co-inhere in some mysterious sense. But this language also means that they act on in behalf of the other. One for the other. It is, according to Charles Williams, the great lay Anglican theologian and fellow inkling with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, what Williams calls the way of exchange. In this sense, he spoke of this coherence or substitution. And what he saw as really the indelible nature of humanity. That even this concept of substitution is so significant to God, it's embedded in the nature of humanity. And he has this amazing insight, which I share with you. He uses the powerful image of substitution involved in natural birth. In his stunning essay entitled, the order of the coherence, he says, quote, A man can have no child unless his seed is received and carried by a woman. A woman can have no child unless she receives and carries the seed of a man. You see in this the language of substitution? It literally means they bear one another's burden. It is not only a mutual act, it is a mutual act of substitution. The child itself for nine months literally co-inheres in the mother. 
For Williams, therefore, substitution was the act of putting oneself in another's place or carrying one another's burden. In natural birth or in new birth and in redemption, there is an exchange of one for the other. Williams saw substitution as indelible in all of creation and redemption. It is the way of coherence. He said, quote, To speak of the acts of substitution and exchange is to speak of coherence. Because of their very nature, these actions must go together. When Jesus the Good Shepherd spoke of giving his life for the sheep, he was telling them that he would exchange his life for theirs. He would substitute his life for theirs. He was Christus Vicar. By this, thanks be to God, we are forgiven. Williams adds in another essay, quote, To forgive and to be forgiven are the two points of holy magnificence and holy modesty, unquote. Third and finally, the language of sacrifice in our passage inherently connects not just to death, but to life. For one, the Old Testament teaches that life is in the blood. The shedding of blood is therefore about the giving of life by the giving of blood. Substitution portends resurrection. The important Anglican theologian Colin Dunlop explains, he says, The Bible from the first to the last never lets you escape from the fact of sacrifice. From Cain to Abel in Genesis, to the Lamb standing as though it had been slain in the apocalypse, the Bible witnesses to the unceasing preoccupation of the people of God with sacrifice as the true approach to God through worship. This is as true after the ascension as before His coming. A conception of worship divorced from sacrifice could be neither biblical nor Christian. He goes on to say the priest actually in the Old Testament did not slay the victim. This was done by the lay worshiper. What the priest did was to take the blood which was the life and place it or sprinkle it on the altar whereby fire it was consumed so that transformed into the element of smoke it went up to God. When it is further remembered that the victim was not offered instead of the worshiper but was representative of the worshiper. And as it were, carried the worshiper's own life into the presence of God. Sacrifice was not mere slaughter, but dedication. And the means by which human life could be brought up into contact with God. Therefore, let us not miss Jesus' equal emphasis on his vicarious death and his victorious resurrection. Jesus' intentional laying down of his life is parallel to his deliberate taking it up, raising it up again. It's interesting to me that sometimes those who want to say the death of Christ was simply an act of humans, no real sacrifice, no real substitution, want to turn around and say that, but the resurrection was an act of God. Christ does not leave us that option. He says the good shepherd laid down his life. The good shepherd takes it up again and raises it. He makes it clear that both events were intentional. Christ's death and his resurrection are inextricably tied to one another. 
And furthermore, one precedes the other, such that we can say, no Christus vicar, no Christus victor. And thus we're led to, the, to be grateful for the Good Shepherd's vicarious substitutionary sacrifice and his resurrection, declaring victory over death for you and me. I finish by telling you a story about a man named Paul Morphy. According to a story recounted by a clergyman, Morphy was the world's champion chess player in the 19th century. One day he was invited by a friend to look at a valuable painting entitled The Chess Player. In the painting, Satan was represented as playing chess with the young man. At stake in the wager of the game was the young man's soul. The match reached the stage where it was the young man's move. But he was checkmated. He thought there were no more moves. The man was defeated. And the picture thusly portrays this loss of his eternal soul with a dour look of despair on the man's face. His soul was lost forever. Satan had checkmated him. But this is not the end of the story. Remember, this is the picture. The man Morphy, the world champion chess player, is looking at the picture. And Morphy, observing the picture, knew more about chess than the artist, it turns out. Morphy studied the picture. He then called for a chessboard and pieces to be set up in front of the picture. Placing them in exactly the same position as they were in the painting, he said, I'll take the young man's place and make the move. And then the surprise of all who looked on, he made the move which would have set the young man free. Satan had not had the man checkmated after all. The great chess player who knew more than the artist and who came after the portrayal of the checkmated man, he pulled a maneuver whereby two pieces can be moved at once to save the king. One piece is sacrificed to save the other. God did no less for us. He uncheckmates our lives by his vicarious sacrifice and resurrection. The difference is, is that the king of heaven was killed for you and me to save our souls. He allowed himself to be checkmated, or so it appeared. However, he himself was not ultimately checkmated, was he? He was resurrected not only to be himself uncheckmated, but to do the same for us. God help us to hear this Eastertide message of the Good Shepherd, who both lays down his life and takes it up again. Christus Vicar, Christus Victor. Amen.